important. I want you to turn two passages of Scripture. The first is found in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to stand together this morning for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. Give me just a second this morning. I think we should have that scripture verse up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 5. Can we just read this out loud together? Let's read this verse out loud together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Did you hear that? This is the first commandment with a promise. Now I want you to turn over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. And the Bible says, I am re- Paul was speaking to Timothy, and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Father, I thank you this moment, in this moment, and in this morning, your presence has been in here such a wonderful way. We love it, Lord, when you show up and you show off and you show yourself strong. I thank you that you're the God who heals the broken heart. I, I thank you that even in this day, Lord, when relationships maybe have been fractured or splintered, God, there's the work of your Holy Spirit that brings healing, forgiveness, and redemption. We thank you that on this Mother's Day, as we remember our moms, as we remember the good times, and Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we have this opportunity to live life and and to be a blessing in our generation because our mothers brought us into this world. Father, for uh, for this hour, I pray, God, you open the hearts of your people to give them ears to hear. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Our big idea this morning is mothers who will live godly lives, mothers who will live godly lives seeking, mothers who will live godly lives inspire us to pass on a faith that changes the next generation. Mothers who will live godly lives inspire us and pass on a faith that changes the next generation. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about a mother and her impact on her children if she chooses to live a godly life. Uh, this word honor, and it's a, a very important word because in our culture today, there's not a lot of emphasis on honor. The Bible, though, over and over and over talks about honor. The Bible tells us to honor those who are in authority. The Bible talks, tells us specifically to honor our parents. Honor our parents means that we show special recognition and give special place in our life to them, whether that's been a good relationship, whether they did everything right, whether they did everything wrong, I mean, whether they did a lot of things wrong. I mean, whatever your relationship is with your, your mother and your father, the Bible commands us to honor them, to give a special place, to give special honor. The word honor means to give something weight or value. There was a Jewish rabbi, he said this, the commandment of honor is not just in showing external signs of respect, but in doing things that cause the honored person to feel better. Did you hear that this morning? But in doing things that cause the honored person to feel better, brighter and honored. In that sense, Mother's Day is always a very special choice of the children. Children must answer the question, 
what will make my mother happy? And all the moms said, amen. I came across a little list of definitions of words that uh, you can only understand as you become a parent or as you become a mother because, you know, words change meaning when you become a parent. Uh, things that you thought meant one thing, when you become a parent, you realize it means something else. And uh, these are the top ten new definitions of words that you thought you knew, but they have actually a different meaning. The number one, number one, or number, number ten, we should say, is dumb waiter. Dumb waiter. One who asks if the kids would care to order dessert. Everyone say, dumb waiter. Family planning, the art of spacing your children at proper distance apart to keep you on the edge of financial disaster. Number eight, full name, what you call your child when you're mad at them. <laughs> Grandparents, the people who think your children are wonderful, even though they're sure you're not raising them right. Ow, the first word spoken by your children with other siblings. Show off, a child who is more talented than yours. There you go. Sterilize. <laughs> what you do to your baby's first pacifier by boiling it and to your last baby's pacifier by blowing on it. Top bunk, where you should never, <laughs> where you should never put a child wearing Superman pajamas. Who done it? None of the kids in your house. And number one, top ten, new definition of words that you thought you knew. Two-minute warning. When the baby face turns red and she begins to make those familiar grunting noises. Well, mothers. Mothers, mothers have an impact. Your mother had an impact in your life. And the fact is, whatever your relationship in your lifetime with your mother, you can thank God today that you are here and you're able to celebrate life. I thought back over my life and it, just the fact today is, the fact today that although I've had lots of challenges and lots of bumpy roads with my family in past times, my parents brought me into this world. And I've been able to make an impact and, and touch other people's lives for the kingdom of God. And today your life has significance. Your life has meaning. We talk about purpose and we talk about destiny at City Church all the time. Uh, my, mom, my mom was uh, a very special woman obviously, in my life because she was my mother, but she was also a very special woman because she had a heart for God. She had a heart for Jesus. She loved the Lord with all of her heart. I have four sisters. I have one sister that lives in Seattle, one sister lives in San Diego, one sister lives in, San, in uh, uh, Costa Rica, and I have a sister that lives right here in the Central Florida community. And this morning, I thought that I would like to do something a little different, just in honor my mom, because today you are sitting in a church called City Church, because my mother loved Jesus. Now, the reason that City Church exists today is because I had a mother who loved God with all of her heart, and she had one desire in her life, and that was to see the whole world know Jesus. And because of her passion for Christ and her modeling and example to me, this church exists. And so we want to take just a moment, and we're going to talk for a few moments about my mom. I'm going to talk about some biblical mothers some moms who made an impact in their generations. And then the challenge today to every woman, to every woman in this place, and to the men too, but specifically to the women, that your life has an eternal impact on generations to come and the destiny of people that you will probably never, ever meet. So uh, without further 
I do this morning. I want to welcome my sister, Saperna Menendez, to the City Church platform. Can you do that with me this morning? This is my baby sister. I have four sisters. I'm 47 years of age, and I will just say that Saperna is 17 years younger than me. And uh, Saperna and I, we actually had two different parents. We had two different sets of parents. Um, my parents were married. Uh, my dad was 19, and my mother was uh, 21. And so my parents were married at a very young age. My, my father, actually my dad was 18. My mom was uh, 19. And by the time my father was 21, he had three children. And so my parents, obviously, being very young parents, raised me much different uh, after they had uh, four other children. And uh, Saperna came along. And I remember, actually, when Saperna came into our family, it was just a great joy. My mom really, really wanted to have another child. I was actually in my junior year of high school when my mom got pregnant. And uh, it was a lot of fun in our family as we talked about what the baby's name would be. And Saperna came out with bright red hair, and, and she came out as a baby, and to this day, she's the same kind of person. And Saperna's life has been impacted by uh, my mother also. And I want to show this picture. Can you put the picture up? I think this is a picture with Saperna. That's my mom right there. Saperna, were you going to a mission trip right then? You're on your way to Costa Rica probably, no? Venice, why don't you hold the mic up to your mouth? Sorry, Venezuela. There you go. Well, Saperna, why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you think your mom prepared you for life? How do you think your mother prepared you for life? Um, one thing about my mom is um, our mom. <laughs> we always joke around. We had two different sets of parents. I had the good parents, and he had the... I had the, the really strict. I had the really strict parents. <laughs> like the first child that comes out, man. Yes, my um, I had a sorry. I had a lot of energy, and I still do. And so my mom was really, um, really good about using this kind of energy. Like she would take us like on a ten mile hike through the desert um, to swim, and just kept us like kept me really going with all my girlfriends. Um, but my our our mother. Um, she had a heart for the lost. She loved people. Loved people. And it was her she, greatest passion. It was her greatest passion. And she loved the people that were the, the people that, that were, that the church didn't necessarily want to come to church. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of conflict with my mom would pack up her car and he, he's talked about it before, but I mean, back then, you know, you could load up your car with 20 children and you wouldn't get arrested. And we would all squ um, squish into the car and um, she would bring us um, to church. She finally brought so many kids that the church had to go out and buy a bus for yes. my mother mm -hmm. so that she could bring all the kids that she was bringing to church every Sunday yes. and every Wednesday night. And her greatest passion was to win souls. Do you remember some of the things that she did? How, how did she do that? What were some of the things that she did? Um, um, a big thing was she was not um, a necessarily, she wasn't a teacher. She wasn't flamboyant. You would, she was sitting in the audience. You, may, you, you would know her name because she was very kind, but she wasn't, um, very, she wasn't up on stage singing or anything like that. But her, she led her life daily on her knees before God. Um, I would wake up, and sometimes as a child, I woke up really early. I'd wake up like 4 or 5 in the morning, and I would hear her crying out to God. And then, um, and we lived in apartments, a very low-income neighborhood, and she um, started um, a little, kind of like a, a Sunday school Bible study, and just went door to door and inviting um, kids to come. And through that, parents got to know my mom. 
And so I remember instances, you, you didn't live at home during this time, where um, a mother who had just gotten into a verbal, um, probably some type of altercation with her um, boyfriend, um, her and her children were in our home, you know, about one in the morning, and my mom was, you know, taking care of them. And that's just the kind of heart that she had. She had a heart for people that were broken and hurting and lost. And she loved them, and she wanted to bring them to church. And that was really her passion and her desire was to see people in the community, mm-hmm. people that really, people that other people maybe would, children that other people wouldn't have reached out to. My mom would bring them in. And uh, her love for the church was something pretty incredible. Why don't you talk to us about how she felt about her church? Um, I never heard my mom speak uh, a bad word about the pastor. She um, always spoke very well um, of our church, and she was there when the doors were open and the doors were closed. Uh, We were the last ones to leave. Um, I know one time I got left at the church. (laughs) So, I mean, that's just the kind of home that we came from. Yeah, she was really, she was committed to the kingdom of God, and she loved people. Mm -hmm. And uh, even from the time that I was a little kid, I always tell people I was a drug baby. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whether I wanted to go or not. And uh, she never, very, she never, ever, ever, our whole life, uh, she never deviated from that. If the church doors were going to be open, my mother was there. And because of that faithfulness to God um, and the way that she lived her life, uh, it impacted us. It impacted our love for people. What do you think, you, uh, as you look back, you know, mom knew that she wasn't going to... Uh, see you graduate from high school. Why don't you talk to me about some of those last times, some of the things that she did uh, in your life. I wasn't around. I was living in Seattle at the time. But talk to me about some of the things that mom talked to you about when she knew she was coming to the end of her life. Right. Um, Well, before you, um, before I go on, um, I was actually going to read something, but um, about that. Um, I just wanted to say um, there, when I was in Costa Rica, um, I met a woman um, and actually my sister ran into her. Um, we were living in Costa Rica, and um, she was on the mission field because my mom drug her to church, brought her to church wow. as a little kid. Wow. And she's, you know, and then I have friends that to this day, their whole family are serving the Lord, and they're in ministry, or, um, and they're still, I'm just that kind of person. I still keep in contact with all my friends mm-hmm. growing up, and they're still serving the Lord because my mom was very plugged in into their life. Mm-hmm. Um, my, um, my mother, she didn't wear makeup. She was just, I've been trying to just get, I know it's hard to explain. He talks about stories because we kind of had different, a little bit of different parents. But my mom was a very humble person. Mm-hmm. She loved Jesus with all her heart and all her soul. And it just reflected, like, everywhere she went, like, you just knew, like, there was something different about her. She was like, the church, people were just she was the church her. lady, absolutely. She was. She mm-hmm. was. And you wanted what she had. She had peace. And even though... Um, she loved her husband well. Um, I was thinking about, I have a sister who um, is a very good wife and mother. And, and that was the example that my mom led. That even though her husband wasn't perfect, she loved him well. She, she loved him. She was a perf- like an example to, as, as a child or even when she was sick, you know, trying to meet her husband's needs. When I was um, 15, she was very deathly ill, and um, it was, it was going to be my birthday, my 16th birthday. And she got up and she cleaned the house. And she got on her hands and knees, and she, she scrubbed the floor. And um, I don't know if you've been through chemo or anything like that, but, you know, it's very difficult. And she, that's the kind of, you know, just a servant's heart. And um, so this, this, this service, I, I consider this is kind of like the, the family. The family. 
And so um, when he, he asked me to share just, you know, um, what kind of legacy my mom left, like what did you, you know, what was her message? What was her desire for me, um, not just for me, but for my brother and for, um, for anybody? And um, this is the letter that she actually wrote to, wrote to me, and it was gonna it was for my wedding day. So I read it the night before my wedding because a wedding is a very special. And um, so anybody that's lost family is known that it's a very difficult thing. But she says, "To my precious Saperna, thank you for being my daughter. You had made made my life a joy in other times of struggle, but I love you dearly. I know God will use you mightily as you keep your hand in His. I'm sorry that I'm not here for your special day, but very soon we'll be together again." Remember to keep the main thing the main thing. I don't know who you have chosen to marry, but I'm sure you have chosen well, and that God will bless you both on your life together. I pray that through your lives, God will use you both. Life down here is short, very short, so make it count for Jesus. I'm having a hard time writing this letter because of the medicine. Um, and then she says, I've been taking, uh, taking, so I'm having your dad write it for me, but these are my thoughts and words. And she says, and this was... You know, as a mom, as a new mom, it's just totally different now reading this. She says, through our lives, God allows many things. But remember, please remember that he makes them come out for our good and his glory. And I'll see you soon. Love, Mom. And then she wrote Hebrews 11.10. And I think that just, and then I read Hebrews. And I just thought, like, this is so my mom's heart. And um, sorry, um, I for my brother and I felt like this is a message for my family for our church and it says um, it starts I'm starting at Hebrews um, 11 8 and it says by faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country as you know my brother did not know a soul didn't they, Laura and him did not know anybody when they started this church when they came here he lived in tents and did as Isaac and Jacob, who were the heirs from him and from the same promise. And it says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundation, whose architect and builder is God. And that was just my mom's heart, like looking forward to heaven. Looking forward to, amen. <laughs> so. okay. uh, the greatest gift your mom gave you is her love for Jesus, wasn't it? The greatest gift she gave you. Yes. <laughs> and the greatest gift that you can give to your child, the greatest gift that you can give to your family is to love Jesus with all of your heart because we are looking towards a city whose builder and maker is God. This life will soon pass, and the only the things that we've done for Christ will last. You can build empires. You can build buildings. You can build houses. You can accumulate mass wealth and money. But if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. That's all we have in this life. In this life, this life soon will pass. Your life is but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. My, my mom didn't get to see Saperna uh, finish high school. She, she passed away when she was around 16 or 17. 16. When she was 16. But she left an impact on a generation and such an impact on my life. And I do remember the days when we went through the neighborhoods. And, and she did it for over 20 years. She picked up children in the community. And it was a big tension in our church because our church didn't want all the bus kids coming to their church on Sunday morning. Our, our church didn't like it because they dirtied the walls and, and they weren't as gentle maybe as some of the supposedly church kids. And I, I saw my mom reach out and, and the fact is the fruit, the fruit of her life 
was that there were people that came to the kingdom. And I heard that story about this young lady that was down in Costa Rica as a missionary as a result of my mom picking her up to bring her to church. So that is the impact of you living a life before Christ and passing on your faith to your children and to the next generation. So let's give Saperna a great big, big, great big hand. Thank you for coming. <laughs> we will have the lights fixed by next week. It's nobody's fault. We just technical difficulties here. It's funny that I didn't know Saperna was going to read that verse, but one of the great moms in the Bible, matter of fact, she's the mother of all faith. Her name is Sarah. And in the book of Genesis, it tells us the story of, of Sarah. And it tells us about her impact on future generations. Sarah was the wife of Abraham. Sarah was the wife of Abraham. And Abraham didn't do it all perfect. As a matter of fact, no one in this room will do life completely perfect. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person in here needs the grace of God in their life. But you can choose today to live a life of faith. When the Bible talks about Sarah, when the Bible talks about this woman of faith, she was a woman who decided to follow her husband and to do what he believed God had called him to do, no matter what the cost. This woman, Sarah, made an incredible impact on future generations because she really counted the cost. She made a decision to follow her husband. Uh, there is a, a, a passage, it's found in First Peter. It actually says that Sarah chose, she actually chose to serve her husband. And it says, that, it says in First Peter that she obeyed her husband, honoring him as the head of her house. If you do the same, women, you will be following in her steps like good daughters and doing what is right. She was a committed wife. W women in this room today, you're married. I challenge you. The greatest gift that you can give your children, the greatest gift you can give your children is to be a committed spouse, to be committed to your husband. He's not going to do it perfect. My father was far from perfect. My father was up and down like a yo-yo spiritually. My mother was one of those just steady, straight ahead, up every morning, spending time with God, up every day in the Word. She worshipped Jesus. She loved. One of my last memories with my mom was one of the ladies that played the piano at the church came over, and there were five or six of us, and we were in her living room. My mom had a piano. She never learned how to play, but she wanted all of us to learn how to play, and none of us really did. It was just a dream she had. never really happened, but, but this lady came over from the church, and she started playing. And I remember the very last moments of my, my mom's life were just spent worshiping Jesus. In the very last moments of her life, we were all in the living room, and we were just worshiping. And we were just singing songs, singing songs of praise to Jesus. She lived as a committed wife. As we look at the life of Sarah, she struggled in her faith. Now, listen, you will struggle in your relationship with God. It's a walk of faith. Faith, Paul actually says it's the good fight of faith. There are questions that go unanswered. There are challenges that come into your world. Sarah chose to follow Abraham, who did some really goofy things. I mean, one time Abraham thought that Pharaoh might want to uh, get rid of him or, or, or dispose of him. And so Abraham tells Pharaoh, hey, this woman's my sister. Why don't you take her as your wife? And that was his wife. I mean, really goofy. I don't know what in the world possessed her to go along with it, but she did. And she, because she honored her husband, God rescued her. 
God brought a lot of bad things to come into the life of Pharaoh. I mean, when we read these stories in the Bible, the one thing we realize is that these were real people. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about the stories of the Bible or mythology or they're just kind of things that happen in ancient times. And I want to tell you, when you read the stories of the Bible, you realize how true the Bible is by how confused some of the people live their lives. And if you watch Jerry Springer, but if you come on, you know, you know, your family's got some confusing things in it. Amen. You've got some families that have probably been on Jerry Springer. She struggled in her faith. In Genesis chapter 18, it talks about this wrestle and this struggle that Sarah, Sarah had. Because God said that through you, Sarah, would come the promised child. Through your life would come a son. And he would be the, the son that would produce the line that would bring the Messiah into the world. God promised Abraham that he would have a son. And it was a struggle of faith because Sarah didn't even conceive until she was 90 years of age. And at the age of 89, an angel came to Abraham and said, your wife is going to have a child. And Sarah was in the other room and the Bible actually says that she laughed. She, Come on, are you kidding me? I'm 89 years of age. I'm way past childbearing years. And the angel of the Lord told Abraham, is there anything too difficult for God? You see, God was able to make the impossible possible. And God honored the faith of her husband, Abraham. And Sarah struggled in her faith, but because she was willing to come alongside and, and literally submit to her husband, who was the father of all faith. The Bible says that Abraham left the land of idol makers and he went to Canaan. And when God came to Sarah, her name was actually Sarai. and meant princess. And God changed her name to Sarah, which means mother of all nations, mother of all nations. Sarah had a name change because she followed the living God. And what happens when you come into the kingdom of God and by faith you believe that God is able to make the impossible possible, you get a new name. As a matter of fact, Sarah went from the land of Ur, which is the land of idol makers. And God changed her name and he brought her into a new place. And the Bible says that when we come into the kingdom of heaven, we get a new name. There's a new name. The old songwriter said, written down in glory, and it's mine. There's a new name when you enter into the kingdom of heaven. And everything in the kingdom of heaven is received by faith. Your life will never be perfect. You'll never have it all worked out. I remember when my mom contracted, she'd had cancer when she was in her 30s. And, and when it came back when she was in her mid-40s, it was brutal. I mean, it was just vicious. And I remember, you know, thinking, God, why? You know, so these things are so, I mean, come on, it's not fair. She's been so faithful. She's the one that every single week she knocks on doors. She did it for 20 years. She knocked on doors in her neighborhood, and she had this little folder. It was like one of those kids' peaches that they get at school. She had a little peachy, and she had the list of names of all the people that she had knocked on. She'd take little notes about the family and the birthdays, and she did it every single week. She'd go through the neighborhood and she'd knock on people's doors and she'd tell them about Jesus. And, and she definitely was called the church leader. She was definitely the church leader. But the impact that she made for the kingdom of heaven, because she believed she was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. She didn't get to live a full, long life. She didn't get to see city church come into existence, but she saw city church into existence because she believed in the destiny that God had placed upon her and her family. The second family, that I, the second mom that I want to talk to you about in Scripture was the, the mother of Moses. The mother of Moses. Her name was Jochebed. And the mother of Moses was determined to fight for her children. 
moms. There is no one going to fight for your children like you. Uh, uh, let me tell you, moms, if you don't get in there and do battle against the devil and against the world and against friends who want to uh, who want to take your children astray, there is no one else going to do it. I want to challenge you. Moses was born in a difficult time in the history of the world. The children of Israel were slaves. They were slaves under under Egyptian rule. They were held captive. They were they were uh, they were taken advantage of. They were building these great big cities. As a matter of fact, in, in uh, Exodus chapter one, it says the conditions were so bad for the children of Israel. They got worse and worse. But the worse that it got for the children of Israel, the more children that they produced. And Moses was born in that generation to a woman of faith. Matter of fact, Pharaoh had had given an edict and he said, listen, I want all the men, I want all the boys that are born in this generation, I want them killed. Hear me today. Every time, every time God gets ready to do something incredible in a generation, Satan incites people to kill their babies. Hear me. Moses was born in a generation. He became the great deliverer. He led the children of Israel who had been slaves for four hundred years he led them out of egypt he didn't get to take them to the promised land but he got them really really close when jesus was born the the time that jesus came into the world herod the wicked king pronounced an edict and said listen i want all the firstborn babies the firstborn male babies killed do you know why he did that because he was trying to destroy the destiny of a generation let me tell you today, God is getting ready to do something incredible in our generation. Come on, God is getting ready to do something in our, in our generation. Listen, I don't care what people think. I'm not a politician today. I'm a preacher and I'm a prophet. And I declare the word of the Lord in this house today. God cares about this generation. And whenever Satan entices people to call a child that's in the mother's womb a blob, and they can just erase that blob and there's no consequences, I want you to know that God has a greater good. You see, what Satan has meant for evil in this generation, God is going to turn for good because he's going to raise up a righteous generation, a generation who loves God, a generation who understands their destiny, a generation who knows that there is good and evil in our land. Listen, the Bible says, beware of that generation that calls evil good and good evil. I'm not confused about what the Bible teaches. I'm not confused about what the Bible talks about. The child, the Bible speaks of the, the preciousness of the little child. And Jesus said, if you were to offend one of these little ones, it would be better for you to have a millstone cast around your neck. And Moses' generation, Moses was born in a very difficult time. But he had a mother who would stand up and fight for his life, fight for his sister's life. He's born. She takes him. She, after a couple of months, she realizes that she's going to have to give this baby up to death. She hides this baby in the bulrushes. She makes a little basket. She sticks him down there. Listen to me. Every time you choose to do right, God has got a way. God has got another plan. Come on, every time you go against the flow and you stand up and you say, for me and my house, I'm going to do it God's way, God shows up. God uses Pharaoh's daughter to come down and find this little three-month-old baby in a basket. And she says, you know what? I'm going to take this baby. He's so sweet. He's going to become my child. 
Moses, this Jewish boy, who then the, this this princess in the land of Egypt says, well, I want you to go find someone to take care of this little baby. All of a sudden, Jochebed now becomes the mother that's allowed to wean her own child. You see, there were divine setups and miracles all along the way. And the Bible says that Moses' mother, Jochebed, she weaned Moses. And for the next several years, she was able to take care of this child. And today we have the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have the story of Joseph. One third of the book of Genesis was written about a man who walked in the favor of God because there was a woman by the name of Jochebed who would stand up and do what was right in her generation. And while she had her little boy upon her knee, she passed on the faith to the next generation. Let me tell you, she said, we've been chosen by God. God called our forefather Abraham and said that he would have a son. And that son was named Isaac. And Isaac had a son and his name was Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And we are here today as a result of the promises of God. Come on. You are here today as a result of the promises of God. You are setting a place where people are worshiping Jesus. You are sitting in a place where last week, 39 people made a public profession that they were going to follow Jesus. Come on. Destinies were changed. Lives were changed. They were impacted for eternity because we are looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. God took these words that Paul wrote and he said, listen, all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Chacobed served God and her generation. And although it looked like it was going to be impossible, times were difficult. This mother stood in the cap and God honored her faith. 1978 in Argentina, there were a group of mothers that, that couldn't take it any longer. In Argentina, in the mid-1970s, there was a general that took over the country and became very oppressive and he became very brutal to the people who were educated and, and many of the people of the land. And in the, by 1978, over 30,000 Argentinians had disappeared. Over 30,000 just disappeared, completely gone. No idea what had happened to them. And there was a group of mothers. They called themselves Madres de, Pla Madres de Plaza de Mayo. Madres de Plaza de Mayo. And these mothers begin to gather together and they begin to talk to one another. And they realize there were similarities in their stories. And, and, and so they agreed on this one day in May that they would go to the Plaza Center in, in Argentina. And they had these little white handkerchiefs that they had sewn their children's names into. And they went to the plaza and they began to protest against the government. It was uh, the World Cup was taking place in Argentina. And when these mothers by the thousands begin to show up in this plaza, the whole world took notice. There were 30,000 Argentinians that just disappeared, never to be seen again. But these mothers stood against this wicked regime. As a matter of fact, over the next several years, because of the wickedness of this general and his leaders and the disappearance of these thousands of people and the things that they did, he was overthrown. His government was disposed of. There was so much world pressure that he had to resign. 
You see, there were mothers who made a difference in their generation. And today, women, you can make a difference in this generation. You can stand for what is right. You can stand for what is true. You can fight for your children. You can fight for your homes. And all the moms said, amen. You see, this woman, she did her part. And God did more than his part. The last mom that I want to talk about, we're going to close this morning, is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, she's honored the Catholic Church has shown great honor to her, at times almost too far. But she was an honored woman. As a matter of fact, the Lord sent an angel and said, Mary, you are highly favored among all women. There was something about the heart of Mary as a 13, 14-year-old girl, as a young girl who loved her God. She was a Jewish girl. She grew up in a small village in a small town. And when the angel came to her, the angel said, God chose you, and this is what's going to happen in your life. You're going to carry the Messiah, the son of David. She couldn't understand that. And as I begin to think about this woman, what Mary did in her life, she set a pattern, and she set a course for mothers for all generation. And what Mary did is she directed other people to obey and follow Jesus. Mary directed other people to obey and follow Jesus. Mary was the first person to have a revelation that Jesus would be the Messiah to the world. Mary was the first person to have a revelation that Jesus would be the Messiah to the world. You see, there's a lot of people that put Christianity in a box like it's a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Although we have creeds, we have practices, we have truths that we hold to, Christianity goes way beyond what's written on a piece of paper by man. Christianity comes down to the heart and a personal relationship with the living God. And Mary had a revelation that this God would become flesh and dwell among us. And that he that would believe in him would have life and life everlasting. She had that revelation. Mary was favored of God. She was favored. She believed the word of the Lord about her child. When you believe what God says about Jesus, you walk in the favor of God. When you believe what God says about Jesus, you'll begin to walk in God's favor. Because God favors his righteous cause. And the moment you say yes to Christ, you come under the favor of God. Listen, God wants to favor you. God loves you. God wants to bless his child. Jesus said, come on, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father want to give to you? Listen, if you're a child of God today, you have the favor of God in your life. And Mary led the way because she believed in Christ, the Messiah. She believed what the word of the Lord said about Jesus. She was favored. She was favored of God. But favor doesn't mean you don't have pain. There's a cost to the favor of God. You see, because when Mary became impregnated by the Holy Spirit, there were a lot of people that didn't believe that. There were a lot of people in this generation that don't believe that Jesus was conceived of a virgin. They don't believe that. But I want you to know today, Mary not only believed it, she lived it, she experienced it, she knew it. That's why the very first miracle that Jesus did was in honor of his mother. The very first miracle that Jesus did was because Mary said, listen, we're at this big wedding and, and they run out of wine. Jesus wanted to do something about it. 
I should do something about it. There, there had never been a miracle by Christ until that moment. And I want you to see how Mary, how Jesus honored Mary. See, Jesus was a complete fulfillment of the Scriptures. Jesus said, the least jot or tittle will pass away. But every word that I speak, every word that I speak will live forever. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are wise, making the simple wise. In Ephesians, Paul said, quoting the book of Exodus, he said, honor your mother and your father, for this is the first command with promise. His mother says, Jesus, do something. Jesus tells them to go and get some pots. And they go and get the pots, and they fill them up, and they begin to pour. And as they begin to pour, the wine begin to flow. And the wine that began to flow was the best wine. Because Jesus always saves the best for last. And this is the last generation. We don't know how much time we have on this planet. But the things that we see and the life that we experience and the things that are taking place. Listen, guys, I don't know how much longer. But I know that God saves the best for last. God poured out wine. It was a sweet wine. That wine represented the wine of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what it represented. The sweetness of God's fragrance. The sweetness of, of God's presence. The Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Listen, alcohol, beer, they're all cheap substitutes for what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. They're cheap substitutes. There's a new wine that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out in your life. Mary said, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And they went and got the pots. Listen, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And this is what Jesus tells you to do. Jesus, the Bible says, he stood in the temple on the last and the great day of the feast. And he said, listen, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you were baptized in water. Now you will be baptized and immersed with my Holy Spirit. You'll be filled. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go and wait at Jerusalem for power from on high. I want you to wait. Listen, men and women. This wasn't just for the men. I want you, men and women, 120 of them went to Jerusalem. And they waited for that new wine. They waited for the new wine. They went to the, into Jerusalem. And there they waited. God descended and came by his spirit. And he filled them. And he transformed them. And he gave them a new life. And today, moms, I want you to know God wants to fill you with a new wine today. Mom, maybe you're here today and the battle's been long. Maybe you feel like Jacobet. It's just been a difficult time. It's been a hard season of life. Come on, it was hard for those people. They were slaves. I mean, they were under the tyranny of the oppression of the Egyptians. Life was difficult. God had a plan. Today, I want you to know God has a plan. God wants to fill you and touch you. God wants to pour out His Spirit. Do whatever He tells you to do. Go and wait for power from on high. Moms, women, dads, God wants to fill you today. But I want to speak to the moms today because I think some of the moms in this place just need a fresh touch of the new wine of the Holy Spirit. I want us to stand together this morning. Tom's going to begin to lead us in worship. You're here today, you say, Pastor Eugene, you're a mom today, you're a woman today, you're a grandma today. You know that you need a fresh touch. 
Mary said, do whatever he tells you to do. And they went and did it. And it produced a miracle. Everything we receive by God comes by faith. God wants to fill you fresh today. God wants to touch your life fresh today. I want to first speak to the moms. You're here today. And you just need a fresh touch of the presence of God. You need a fresh reality of who Jesus is. A fresh revelation of who He is in your life. You need a, a fresh grace upon your life. You need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit to fill you. Maybe you came, you were really discouraged and you were really struggling in some areas. Maybe you just felt dry in your spirit and your soul today. The Holy Spirit is here today to fill you. Pour out new wine. And if that's you this morning, just lift up your hand and signify, I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Come on, in this room this morning. My mom's in this room. Amen. Hey, moms, can I invite you just to come and stand with me right in the front? You've raised your hand. Just come. We're going to pray this morning. Come on. You're just going to take that next step. You're going to take that next step by faith. You're going to receive a fresh touch of God's Spirit. Hallelujah. You are the hope that I cling to.